gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Tuesday evening, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to try in the most professional way to control my tone. I haven't felt the need to address this topic, and I haven't addressed this topic, um, but we're going to do it today. Um, I'm going to do it right now on this show. Um, Here we go. Four young adults, two males, two females, all of the same relative age, got into one car after a night of drinking. Mistake number one. They get in that car, they begin to race another car. Mistake number two, they have a catastrophic event that led to the loss of two of those four young lives. What then proceeds is another Georgia football player who was racing that number one car that was involved um, and then proceeds to make some clear and obvious mistakes with regards to the reporting of the most tragic event of his young life. Mistakes number three, four, five, however you want to count those. Okay. Those three mistakes have led to essentially two months of questions around this Georgia football program. Um, It seems to me, for some reason, this can't be about those three mistakes or those group of mistakes or that night filled with mistakes. This can't just be about a young woman who was doing some drinking and some driving and made a, a terrible mistake. This can't just be about two young people driving cars way too fast at an hour of the night when they shouldn't have been doing so. This has to be about some cultural issue at the University of Georgia to some people. You know, I watched Kirby Smart answer 10 minutes worth of questions today after having an opening statement about this topic, about what they've grown and what they've learned and what and the, the, the new stipulations that they put in their program and the things that they're trying to grow through their program. After an opening statement, I listened to him take 10 minutes worth of questions about, again, what he's learned about challenges and, and, and policy and changes in his program or whether or not he's, quote, exercise proper control over his program or whether or not he's lost control over his program. Okay. It was 10 minutes of this type of stuff before finally Claude Felton was like, Hey guys, um, we got football. Anybody want to talk some football and redirected the press conference. I do not, I do not for the life of me understand why there are some people in the news and on this beat that think this is their world-class journalism opportunity, that this is their, you know, opportunity to undiscover, you know, under, uh, discover some underground operation, that this is some evil empire running through the streets of Athens that they're uncovering, that this is some kind of hidden, you know, crime mafia of something, some sorts going on right now. These are young people with access to too much cash and assets from a football player's perspective, okay? Cars that are way too fast, that, that they drive way too fast, all right? I'm not defending Kirby Smart here. Um, I'm not caping for anyone. I'm not trying to. Um, I just don't believe there's anything here, right? People make really, really stupid decisions every single day, particularly young people, particularly in college towns, particularly ones with assets and access to means of really, really fast cars and really, really bad decisions, okay? It happens all the time, all across the world of college football, college sports, and colleges, okay? Bad decisions. This one resulting in catastrophic, like I said, catastrophic events, okay? Listen to these two press conference clips from today. The first one is his opening statement. I'm going to play it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it, okay? 
Thanks, Claude. Um, I think the first thing I'll, I'll address and talk about a little bit is, you know, the expectations we have here at Georgia for our student athletes. Uh, certainly, we haven't met some of those requirements, and we want our student athletes to meet those, and we take those things very seriously. Um, you know, the, the standards that have been created here for a long time, that doesn't change, and uh, we want our players to live up to those. And the mistakes they make, we treat them like we do our kids. We discipline them. We try to prevent them. We try to educate them. We try to do all we can to help our student athletes in a positive way. And um, it's been a tough go with the death of uh, Chandler and Devin. As you guys know, it's a tragic accident. And uh, our players have been through a lot. You know, when you talk about the help and the mental health that some of our guys have needed since the, the accident, it's been a really tough go of it for them. Um, I feel like our players are, are, are starting to be able to acknowledge and, the, and they understand that, that, you know, when you make mistakes, that, that decisions that are costly can cost you your life. And uh, that's not to be taken lightly. And uh, I think our guys understand that and continue to educate them. And we'll continue to do all we can as a university to make sure they behave and do that in a proper way. Um, but I am very strongly in belief that we have a great group of young men on our football team. We have a great culture on our football team. We had our highest GPA we've ever had in the fall. We've got the most kids doing a, a lot of the community outreach that is really positive. So there's a lot of good there that comes out of our kids that probably doesn't get noticed as well, especially with the things that have happened uh, here recently. Um, a couple statements about spring practice, and then I'll open this up for, for questions. But we got several guys that are out for spring. We always talk about this at the beginning. Uh, Dan Jackson still out. Marvin Jones had shoulder surgery. Josh Miller came in with a shoulder surgery. Andrew Paul is still out with an ACL. And Jalen Walker is out with a shoulder surgery. So we've got four guys that are five guys that are out for the spring, probably less than we've had in recent years. Uh, and I'm looking forward to a lot of competition and battles. Uh, across the line in terms of positions. We got a lot of positions up for grabs. So with that, I'll open it up for questions. If you have a question, uh, raise your hand. We'll get the floor mic to you. Hi, Kirby. Uh, after the, as you mentioned, after the recent arrests for, for racing, what have you done from your position to try to send a message uh, you know, about racing and speeding to kind of reinforce, so which I assume you've been talked about for you know, months and years? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I, I've never been a part of a program where that was something you you had to repeatedly address. And, and as I said in the past, we, we had a, a, a session this summer where we brought in Athens-Clark County police and UGA police and addressed a lot of these issues with our team, actually in a team meeting setting, and played some video of things that were going on in Atlanta um, with drag racing and things, things that just concern you. We do that with drugs and alcohol. We do that with uh, domestic violence. We try to have education programs, but education is not enough. You know, you, you, you have to do a great job of making sure your players understand the risks and dangers that are out there um, with vehicles, especially nowadays, that, are, that go really fast. You've got to be extremely careful. And uh, we, we, we try to educate and make sure our players understand those risks. But and the ongoing part of that is to continue to educate them and let them know. And, and you know, that, that's a programming piece for us. We do in the fall and then we do in the spring. The two times where we're really down from football, we spend a lot of time educating our players of the dangers they can get into. And that's one that we'll continue to do. And, and we treat it very seriously. All right.
So in conclusion, what you heard right there was his opening statement in which he addressed this, right? It was a, it was a bunch of, I'm not going to call it coach speak, but there was some coach speak there with about getting better uh, within themselves and, and holding each other to the right standards and living up to the standards, the Georgia standard, all that stuff. I will call that coach speak. But then he proceeds after being asked about, hey, what are you, what have y'all done? The answer was, we kind of already have. Like, we we knew about this. That's what he he's, he's alluding to. Th- this idea of, uh, cars and 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 really uh, not so expensive cars that go really really fast. That is not new to the culture of young people these days. Okay, every young person wants to drive something fast nowadays. They always have. Nowadays, the accessibility to them is like really really easy. All these people, all these young kids are driving really, really fast cars. Look on social media. There was just one that went viral the last couple of weeks in Austin, Texas, of a drag strip going on in the middle of downtown Austin. These things are not new, okay? So not new that your head coach had athens Clark County, okay, and, and the local police department, Athens Police, come talk to his football team last summer about racing and about speeding and about drag racing and about doing donuts in parking lots and about doing all of these things. So your questions that you keep berating with, hey, what are you doing? What what have you doing? What are you doing to be accountable? Guys, there's been a tremendous amount of education, okay? They've known about this issue. They've tried to address this issue beforehand, okay? They, they, they went about their ways of trying to educate these young men. So the next question that I'm about to show you this one comes from Alan Judd, or Alan Judd. This is one of the investigative reporters from Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want you to listen to the way in which he formulates this question. I believe this is him, okay? And then I'm going to read off the tweet that he fired off afterwards, um, and then some corresponding tweets over the last month that this Mr. Judd has ripped off. So let me, let me just play this for you and just kind of understand where this guy's coming from and what his job seems to be. So of, of these, these issues that have come up, and you mentioned that some of the players have not not met their their responsibilities. Basically, do you feel that you have have exercised proper control, proper supervision, and oversight of the of the of the program? That where has this has this uh, situation gotten out of your out of hand for you? No, absolutely. We've got complete control of our program and our kids in our program. Do kids make mistakes? Yes, young student athletes make mistakes. They do. Um, it happens all across the country. It happens here. Um, there's no lack of control for our program. I think our kids across the board will tell you that we have an incredible culture here. We have a connective tissue that brings our team together. Uh, our, our guys do make mistakes. That's historically probably going to happen when you're 18 to 22-year-old. Our job as coaches is to prevent that from happening. And uh, that starts with me. And you do it by how you educate your players and how you discipline your, discipline your players. And we'll continue to do that at a high standard. All right, so what you heard there was, again, I don't know if that's him who asked the question. doesn't matter. What we're going to respond to is the coinciding tweet based off that answer. You heard Kirby Smart say, it starts with me. That is a coach taking blame. Okay, without legally taking blame, that's him saying, this is my program, and everything that goes around here is about me. All right, that's what it's about. So after that statement, which was the last question that he had to be asked about this before Claude Felton stepped in, okay, after that statement, the coinciding tweet was fired off. Okay, and just the, the tone alone tells me exactly what's going on here and exactly why is this is happening, right? Not necessarily why it's happening, but what the angle is here, right? We always search for angles on this program. We always look for the tea leaves. We're always doing that. We fit to find the why right here, all right? Alan Judd fires off this tweet today. 
Okay, quote, Kirby Smart accept, accepts no responsibility for a series of transgressions that culminated in deaths of players and recruiting staffer in January crash. Let me do some light shining on Mr. Allen Judge here, or Judd here. Okay, we work in the media. Social media is where we highlight our work. So if you notice, anything that ever comes out, any piece of content that ever comes out from our machine, guess who tweets it out? Yours truly. Any content I ever produce, guess who tweets it out? Yours truly. That's, that's, that's across the board. Every single journalist, every single content creator, anywhere. Anytime you produce content, you tweet that sucker out. Social media. You work in the media. So let's go check out this media person's work. Let's see what he's done the last couple of days. Okay? Last 10 days. These are the only three original tweets on this man's timeline. Quote, in press conference, hashtag UGA coach accepts no responsibility for a series of transgressions that culminated in deaths of players and recruiting staffer um, in January car crash. That's one. Second tweet. He quote tweeted, Chip, or he tweeted out Chip Towers' article of them interviewing Devin Willock's dad, questioning communication after the crash. Quote, nice piece by Chip here on grieving father, quote, kept in the dark by authorities. UGA about fa fatal crash. Okay, I got one more for you. It's all last 10 days. It's all he's done last 10 days. He tweeted an article about Jalen Carter's arrest, okay, when it was reported, and tweeted this. I don't know how. This is borderline defamation. Quote, police say charges against UGA's Jalen Carter appropriate, period. He could have been charged with vehicular homicide in tweet. That's, that's the work he's been doing the last 10 days. So, if I am here to judge you upon your work, it is very clear to me what these investigative journalists from AJC are doing and what is going on and what has been going on for the last two months around this story. They think this is some massive story. They think this is deflate gate. They think this is nuclear warheads in Iraq, or at least they're treating it like that. They are treating this like there's some big cover up here. I don't believe there is. I can't say that for 100% truth because I'm not part of law enforcement. But law enforcement hasn't said anything otherwise. All right, so there is no big cover-up. Young people made mistakes. Two of them paid for it with their lives. And the rest of them, well, they have to live with that. Why can't that be the story? Why? Welcome into tonight's show. Hope you enjoy it. Um... It's been a great day. I don't, I don't want any – they get enough vitriol, man. I just wanted – I, I wanted y'all to have my opinion on this. It's not it's, – it's clear to me that there is, there, is, there is efforts to make this a thing. I don't think it's a thing. Why, can, why can't it just be a tragic, tragic death, a couple of deaths, and a tragic, tragic evening? Why does it have to be some cover-up job? Why does it have to be some – deep dive into the cultural aspects of the University of Georgia. This is the same football program that we spent all of 2020 during all of COVID, during all the skull sessions, during all of uh, the riots in the street, all of it. This is the program that we like alluded to when it came to cultural, like what they were doing in-house, what they were doing from a team perspective. And one bad night filled with a bunch of bad decisions Starts coming out, and all of a sudden, like y'all think it's some crime mafia family. It's not. Go back to work. Welcome in. Um, 
There was, uh, believe it or not, news today that came out of that press conference from Kirby Smart. We're going to talk a little bit about it. We got an injury update for you guys as well. Um, Kirby Smart talked about um, the quarterback battle. We're going to give you some insight on that. We've been telling you about that uh, over here for quite some time. We're going to do some Patreon kind of uh, pubbing here today, okay? We're going to give you a little bit of information as we go. Um, I would imagine practice notes will be fil filtering in at some point as well today. Um, but nonetheless, we got some good stuff um, going on to tonight. I'm going to explain what actually happens during spring practice, not just at Georgia, but around college football in general. It's very, very important for fans to understand what your what your team's going through right now, what players are going through right now, what young men are going through right now on all these college football campuses. And as you saw in the title, we're going to talk to visitors that are on campus this week. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we dropped the lid to the water bottle. That's no bueno. That's no bueno. Hey, let's talk about this injury update before we get into too crazy of topics today. Uh, Marvin Jones, shoulder, going to be out, had shoulder surgery. That was reported well before spring practice got underway. That's unfortunate. They need a uh, like a big spring and summer for him. Like He needed to get a bunch of reps this spring, just kind of figure out football. Um, immensely talented. I mean, he looks like an avatar. He is the guy on their roster that could be a 10-sack football player this year like it could click like that for that football player um he needed those 15 practices it's unfortunate he's still got to stick around though and like be engaged that's the important thing for marvin this spring like you're going to be in a sling let's at least be engaged let's let's take mental reps let's take dry reps if a guy's in front of you taking the rep be behind him walking through the steps right let's be front row and front and center during all the meetings let's make sure we are absorbing the playbook let's make sure when summer comes and we get the sling off hey we're ready to rock Right, we're we're absolutely ready to go. The same could be said about Joshua Miller, though. Joshua, as a as a freshman offensive lineman, with a guy who's going to have to put on some weight, some muscle mass, it's all good there. Uh, Dan Jackson, we we've been telling you he's going to be limited. I think that's what we led with yesterday when we talked defensive backs and Jonah Aguero. So, um, we're you're you're good there. That's all right. Dan Jackson being out and limited, uh, or quote unquote limited this spring was expected, as was the Andrew Paul news that Kirby Smart gave today, as was the Jalen Walker news. And we reported and have reported that Ernest Green is going to be a full participant this spring. It'll be based off pain tolerance with his back injury from last year. So um, you're like really, really healthy on the offensive line, which is good, and the defensive line um, minus Marvin Jones. So your lines of scrimmage are extremely, extremely uh, you know, healthy right now going into spring practice, and that's great news. Um, great note here from our producer, Christian Kirby. Uh, having injuries to keynote starters is not something new to the University of Georgia during spring. You know, a couple of years ago, George Pickens got hurt during spring practice. Uh, you, you went a whole spring practice without really any receivers. Jermaine Burton was out uh, one spring. Lab McConkie completely banged up during that same spring. George Pickens was out with a knee. Uh, Darnell Washington messed up a foot last year and was out most of the spring. Brock Bowers was out last spring with a shoulder injury. Uh, that's why Oscar Delp got a bunch of run last year. N'Kobe Dean was out during the spring of 2021. So, like, you have had this history of, hey, if there is an operation for us to clean up, let's clean it up during the offseason. Let's get it done. Let's make sure everyone's healthy and fully ready to go by September. Look, it's not guaranteed <clears> – <throat> It's not guaranteed at every football program that your body is going to be taken care of, that the, the most important thing is going to be your longevity of your career. That is not guaranteed at every program. If you want a prime example of this, you Smoke Bowie had a knee operation this spring, like in January. 
maybe February, okay? Had it cleaned up, had his knee scoped, had all the, the scar tissue cleaned up that was giving him issues and was continuing to cause swelling. Guys, he tore his knee in July of 2021, 2022, before he got to Texas A&M. They already knew there was scar tissue there. The swelling had been going on for months. And instead of cleaning up the operation and cleaning up the knee and allowing the young man to continue his football career without any pain or swelling or, God forbid, any further damage to his knee, just let him keep playing. These types of things, they are not common. All right. Or, excuse me. I shouldn't say they're not uncommon, right? Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be some uh, limitations there as well. You guys do a great job is what I was trying to tell you of every spring and offseason making sure whatever it is that guys need to be done is done. You will you will sacrifice the immediate returns of them practicing for the longevity of that individual's career. That makes you unique in this sport. Okay, that makes you unique in a very cutthroat industry where folks are, you know, bypassing those types of things. Or I shouldn't say they are bypassing those things. I'm going to clarify here. They are allowing the player to make the decision of, "Hey, do you want to play through this?" And I'm telling you right now, 99.9% .9 of those players choose to play through that. Whereas, like, at some organizations, there's no option. It's, hey, this is for the betterment of you. You're going to have this surgery. Boom, period, point blank. Um, so, nonetheless, injuries during spring practice are not anything new to the University of Georgia. Uh, haven't told you this. We're already 21 minutes in. Hit that thumbs up button, man. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. If you miss any portion of tonight's show uh, and you don't want to watch this back on YouTube because you don't have YouTube Premium and that thing goes away, Every time you hit your lock button or your lock screen, we are available on Spotify and all of your podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts. Just search the Film Guy Network. You will find us. Okay, We will be available wherever, however you get your podcast. Uh, your, your coach today told you that uh, you're, you're going to be giving one's reps to two quarterbacks. Insto facto quarterback battle. Let's talk quarterback battles. Uh, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff going to be splitting first team reps today. Uh, he also told you not to write Gunnar Stockton off. So he hit all the boxes that you're supposed to at the podium when it comes to quarterback discussions in an open battle, or at least a battle that you're trying to frame as open. Uh, this was 100% or this rather is 100% par for the course for Kirby Smart. Uh, he usually has a quote unquote quarterback battle heading into the spring or during the spring, or at least that's what he tries to create, right? Like we told you just a second ago, in 2016 when he showed up, uh, Grayson Lambert and Jacob Beeson were getting after it. Uh, the following spring, uh, Jacob Beeson and Jake Fromm were getting after it. The following spring, Jake Fromm and Jacob Fields, or Justin Fields were getting after it. A lot of JFs in there, a lot of JEs. Um, and then in 2019, Fromm finally had a spot, and going into that spring, everyone kind of knew he was a starting quarterback. Um, and then Fields left. Uh, and then in 2020, after Fromm left, there was that whole Jamie Newman thing, but he wasn't there during the spring and COVID. So weird. All right. And then in 2021, all right, JT Daniels kind of secures a job. But yeah, I mean, he wasn't even there really fully prepared for spring practice. Whole kind of deal thing there. And then in 2022, uh, you didn't really, going into it last spring, you kind of knew uh, Stetson Bennett was going to be your quarterback, but he at least made him compete against Carson, Be uh, Carson Beck because he wasn't just going to give. Stetson Bennett, a starting job. So typically, in these types of settings, Kirby Smart tries, tries to create some type of competition. Because as we told you yesterday, with our brand new Kirbyism, complacence, competition breeds success. 
complacency breeds regress. Okay. If you are if you're out here competing, you're going to be successful. If you are out here being complacent, you ain't going nowhere. You're going to straight regress. All right. And not going anywhere is regression, by the way. If you're not getting better, if you're just staying the same every day, you got worse. All right. That's that's straight coach speak. <clears throat> so be used to uh quarterbacks being in there and, and and quarterback debates and quarterback discussions and and quarterback battles because that's the way he wants it. Okay. He wants that that competitive fire around every position. Um Let's talk a little bit about spring practice in general, though, now that we're talking about quarterbacks and why this competition is so important um, or this this idea, this theology of competition is important. This time of the year, particularly spring practice, this is an evaluation period for coaches, for players. This is the opportunity. These 15 practices are the 15 practices for the players who aren't going to get to play this fall. Okay. Georgia is a unique program in the sense that they have three quote-unquote camps per calendar year. It's important to understand what camp is. So let's go about defining what camp is. Camp is five days a week, sometimes six, of 28-period practices. That is 28 five-minute periods. These practices run for about three to three and a half hours every single day. And I'm here to tell you, 85% of them are padded up. The other 15% are in shells. Boys, you are clanging and banging for a month and a half. That is what camp is about. Camp is about violence. Camp is about competition. Camp is about football. Camp is about playing 100% football and big boy football, good on good football, compete your balls off football. That's what's going on right now at the University of Georgia. And that's what happens three times every year. One, during spring ball to kick off your year. You get two months, January and February after the season ends, to lift your absolute eyes pop out of your head, squatting so hard, all right? And then you run, you run, you run, you lift, you lift, you lift, and then boom, spring practice pops up mid-March, all right? You got a month and a half, 15 practices of just absolutely gutted out, most biggest evaluation period of your life in college football, okay? Then summer comes around, that's all fine. Then camp number two of the calendar year rolls around, that's fall camp. Fall camp's about a month, month and a half, depending on what your schedule is, depending on when your first game is. God forbid you get a bye week, week one. Oh my God, camp's an, ex an extended week. Nonetheless, camp in the summer, that summer camp leading up into the season, whoo, that's tune it up camp. That's trying to get that machine hardened and ready to rock for that season. For that, I mean, that's callous in the soldier getting ready to send him to war. That's what that, that, that second camp is. And then Georgia's specifically unique. Very, very unique. I don't know if other teams do this, but I know Georgia does. They have what is called bowl season camp. Now, what is bowl season camp? Well, bowl season camp for the University of Georgia is that month and time period after the SEC championship game, which seems to be an annual date, a reservation for them, and the month, uh, you know, the month after when they go to play in the college football playoff, which again seems to kind of be, you know, an annual date for them. And if they aren't playing in that, they're not playing until after January 1st anyways. So they got about a month and a half to guess what? Go through camp, number three. So at the University of Georgia, you have these periods of time, basically three months of your life where you are just, I mean, getting after it. 
getting after every single day, competing, competing, competing. So what does this look like for a football player? What does this look like for a student athlete at the University of Georgia? Okay. What are these guys actually going through? Well, I'll tell you what it probably looks like. Okay. What my intel of this, what my knowledge of being a college football player in years past tells me what I know about your program, what this tells me. Okay. Typically, you're going to wake up around 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, depending on what your AM slate of classes looks like, you could have weights anywhere from 6 a.m. to about 9, depending on, again, what your class schedule is, what your program truly believes. Some programs believe lifting offense, defense. Some programs believe making uh, young guys get up and go out and, and work out every, every day at 6 a.m. so they don't go out and party. There are different rules at every different program. Nonetheless, you're going to wake your butt up early in the morning, and you're going to get a lift in before you go to class like everybody else. After you get your lift in, you're going to go to class like everybody else, all right? And then after that, about 1.30, 2 o'clock, you're going to make your way back down to the facility for some type of meeting or some type of position meeting or some type of, uh, you know, uh, treatment, or you're going to get your ankles taped for practice, or you're going to get an ice bath, or you're going to get a heating pad, or you're going to do something from 1.30 to about 3, preparing for what it is that's about to happen from 3.30 to 6.30, which is all out bloody freaking war. Okay, so at this point, you're now ready to go out to practice. You've already had about a 10-hour workday, including school. So you go out to practice, and you practice in the most intense environment that you've ever practiced in before for three full hours. And then after that, you go back into the locker room. You take off all of your gear, all of your war paint. You, un you undo your tape. You get ice on whatever you need to get ice on. You probably have some type of ending meeting where coach kind of wraps up the day for you. And then, depending on what your grades look like, you're probably going to have to go to study hall from about 8.30 to 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock. And then it's lights out. You start again tomorrow. And by the way, nowhere in that schedule I just rattled off did we talk anything about eating which you do four times a day, sometimes five, depending on how much weight you're trying to gain during this portion of your life. It is absurd the types of stuff these dudes got to go through. God forbid they drive a little fast down through campus. But what does it mean? What does it mean during spring practice? Spring practice is everybody gets reps. That's what spring practice is, okay? Spring practice is everybody's competing for a job. Spring practice is I don't care if you're a three-year starter, we're going to make you feel like you're competing. We're going to make you feel like the other guy's got just as good of a shot to play. Because during the spring, he needs to. During the spring, everybody needs to think they got a shot to play. Because come fall, the, the riding gets put on the wall really, really clear via a travel roster, via a too deep, via uh, after August, after September. Hey, if you're the third string left tackle, you're not getting coached, guys. You're, you're looking at a, a card of the opponent's plays and you're going out coaching yourself, taking reps against the starters as a scout team player. That's what life in reality becomes for you in September and for your football team in September. Half the roster becomes inevaluable. You cannot look at half of your roster during the fall if you're Kirby Smart because you can only uh, direct your attention to the half of your roster that's going to impact the wins and losses that Saturday. That's it. So what is the spring about? The spring's about is rotating as many bodies and creating as many combinations of players as we humanly possibly can, putting it on tape and getting some type of evaluation standpoint on it. 
That's what spring's about. That's what spring will always be about. No matter how solidified your starting position is, you're going to have someone spell you during the ones reps. Jared Wilson will take reps with the first unit at center this spring. Cedric Van Pran's not going to get all of them. Why? Because what happens if Cedric Van Pran gets hurt this summer? Or what happens if Cedric Van Pran gets hurt this fall? And they don't have any opportunity to have any evaluation of what Jared Wilson looks like with any of his cohorts around him. That type of thing, that's what you're preparing for this spring. You're trying to get all of those looks. So, yes, your head coach is going to come to the microphone today and say that there are two quarterbacks getting reps with the ones because I'm here to tell you that's what happens every week of every year of every practice of every program. This fall, whoever wins the starting job, the number two guy will get one's reps. He might not get a lot of them, but he's going to get one's reps. Why? Because you have to prepare too. It's a non-news. It's a non-news story today, okay? Um, but it's a news story, and we talked about it. Uh, tomorrow's Pro Day. Shouts out UGA. We'll be in town. We'll be in the bidding. Um, going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go through uh, – I'm going to have to go through Dick's or something tomorrow morning and, and get me a stopwatch. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Andrew Ivins. I'm sure you guys know him. Um, I don't know if he would call me a friend, but Andrew, if you watch, I consider you a friend, buddy. You're nice to me. Every time I see you, we chatted up. We exchanged thoughts and, and opinions on players. Um, we, we, we don't seem to disagree very often. Nonetheless, you're good people. I was talking to Ivans the other day about the pro day, and he was telling me that at pro days, they have like a pool. They basically, everyone with their, uh, with their stopwatch gets their times, and then they turn the times in at the pro day table, and then that's the averages that they report out to NFL teams. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, your boy will have the stopwatch that gets my boy Chris Smith down into them four or five ranges and gets that joker a second-round eval. Shouts out. I'm just kidding. But seriously, that'd be dope. Let's talk about um, – actually, before we talk about pro day, let's talk about visitors list. Jeremiah Smith, Charles Lester, Peyton Woodyard, a.k.a. the South Florida Express superstars – Already made their way through campus uh, this weekend. Had a great time, I'm told. Um, I, I I do think for the first time, and we told you yesterday, you've never done it. I do think for the first time, Georgia's at least got their foot in the door. The door might get slammed on the Jeremiah Smith recruitment. Um, but you've got it cracked. And, like, guys, you've never landed the number one receiver ever, ever. So this would be new. And honestly, give credit where credit is due. To even be in this, to even be talking about this reasonably, and we don't talk about anything unless it's reasonable, to be talking about this reasonable, reasonably is a milestone for the University of Georgia recruiting-wise. Guys, last year, you're not, your highest-rated recruit at the receiver position was Tyler Williams, the 17th-ranked overall player, or overall receiver, excuse me. That's not UGA recruiting at every other position, but that's been the reality at receiver. And now all of a sudden, we, we have legitimate talks about Jeremiah Smith, the number one receiver, taking time out of his day or his weekend to come visit Georgia with a Georgia commit who he plays seven-on-seven seven with. And there are opportunities that you might maybe possibly, depending on who you read intel from, might be getting an official visit from Jeremiah Smith at some point. Okay? Those are huge things. Okay? that 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 we, This week for them was massive from a recruiting standpoint. And, oh, by the way, Jeremiah Smith's one of his like 
I, I don't know if they're best friends. I think Jeremiah Smith understands the talent that it is that is Dylan Rayola. They have obviously built a relationship from when Rayola was an Ohio State commitment. But you have a legitimate chance, okay, at landing Rayola as well, okay? And if that were the case, your you know, ties to Jeremiah Smith just get that much more, right? So Dylan Rayola being in town this weekend, expected to be in town this weekend, is huge for the University of Georgia, okay? It's huge for his ability to continue to develop more of a relationship with Mike Bobo. But I'm here to tell you, give you a little insight here, and this is kind of a, a peek into like the small, like dipping your toe into a cold pool uh, with regards to the information that we give out over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. But if you've been over there, you understand that the Dylan Rayola re recruitment has, yeah, it's been a little bit about Todd Munkin. There was a relationship there that I would be, I would be lying to you saying there's not. But when Dylan Rayola picks up the phone and calls Georgia over the last several years, He's done so to talk to Kirby Smart. The relationship is with the head man, right? It's no different than when you listen to Bryce Young talk about why he chose Alabama, Jalen Hurts, why he, talked, why he talks about why he chose Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa, why he chose Alabama. They talk about the relationship with who? Nick Saban, the defensive mind. Why? Well, they want to learn what it is that makes him successful. To, damn, to, to hell with the football aspect of things. What about this man makes him the best at what he does? I'm trying to figure out that. That's the curiosity that I have picked up from the intel that is with regards to Rayola and Georgia. It, Yeah, again, it has a, a little bit to do with Munkin, and those things impacted recruitments, but the ties to Georgia have always been about the relationship between Dylan Rayola and Kirby Smart, and them things are strong as ever. All right, so you still got a really, really solid chance. And you're getting them on campus this weekend. That's huge. <clears throat> Little operational questions here from uh, Robert. He asked, how often does the intensity of practices run off of talent? Um, good football coaches would tell you they just should not matter. How good you are of a, of a football team should not matter how hard you practice. In fact, some would say that you are, if you are a lesser talented football team, you should practice harder. But I will say this. That's a bit um, unrealistic to believe. There is a value to having tremendous athletes. And what that means is um, when you go watch Georgia practice, you're watching 100 to 120 of the best athletes in the world at what they do. Okay? Some of, I should say. So they can go about practicing at full speed without putting themselves in dangerous positions, okay? They can do what's called thud speed, right? Where you're running around and you're, you're, you're thudding up, you're, you're, make, you're striking, you're making contact, but you are not going to the ground. Whereas if I go out to the local high school right here uh, next, next door and I say, hey, guys, we're playing thud speed, they don't know. I mean, they know what that means, but they can't op They slow down too much. They don't play at full speed or they play too fast. They don't know how to stay up off the ground. They don't know how to protect one another. They don't know how to practice. You hear coaches say that you guys don't know how to practice. You kind of have you will have that problem, even though you're a talented football team. But it doesn't mean that just because you got tremendous athletes on the field that they know how to practice hard or that the intensity somehow magically ramps up just because you got good football players on the field. I will tell you this right now. There, it, the, the, the high school talent never gets better than the Adidas All-American game. 
than the Under Armour All-American game. Those boys don't practice hard unless something clicks, unless the vibe around the, the event changes, the culture around the event changes, okay? So is Georgia's intensity around practice due to their talent level or is it due to their culture? I would say it's due to their culture and their talent level is a direct indication of their culture, okay? It's a chicken before the egg type of uh, discussion. Pro Day. Teased this last segment of the day. Got Pro Day tomorrow. Um, there are some Georgia players that got to get some stuff done. We'll start with Stetson Bennett. Uh, he threw at the combine, and he wowed some folks at the combine. This Pro Day will be different because these guys will be on field level. At the combine, you're kind of up. You're in the stands. You're watching from an angle. Yeah, you get the comparison contrast against him throwing the ball and the other quarterbacks in the draft class throwing the football. But this is the first time they will truly be within from like me to the camera distance from Stetson Bennett throwing the football. And I have like repeated over and over and over and over again on this channel. You don't know what Stetson looks like throwing the football until you see it right from me to you. The TV will never do it justice. You just don't get it. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't show up. All right, there are some throws where I can show you, and you will be like, damn, he threw that ball really, really hard. But when you walk up on it and you watch it in person and you see the ball literally explode and jump out of his hands, you'll be like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. Now I understand. Okay, that's the type of stuff that's going to happen tomorrow, I would imagine. And he's got to do a lot of what, you know, what uh, my boy Christian Kirby put here in the notes. He got to make some oohs and some ahs, baby. We got to have some oohs and some ahs tomorrow in that pro day building um, when he's out there throwing missiles, all right? I would, if I were creating his pro day script, he would be on the move the entire time. He would set his feet and rip a couple deep balls, but the entire time that dude would be moving. He'd be moving right. He'd be moving left. He'd be throwing missiles. Ding, 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 ding. He would be showing these guys that, hey, whatever you thought about me, Whatever you thought about me from an arm talent perspective, you are wrong. I can get it done. I got NFL juice. Check this shit out. That is what he is pro day needs to be about tomorrow. Now, two guys that are kind of lumped into a similar category because of their, um, I'm not going to call it lackadaisical combine performance, but less than uh, pleasing combine performances from their personal perspectives. Kenny McIntosh was not happy with a 4.62 in the 40. Okay, neither was Chris Smith with his 4640. Okay, there's an opportunity here to clean that up, run a little bit faster. Hopefully, there's been some weight loss from Kenny's perspective. Uh, maybe some weight loss. He lost even more weight between the senior bowl and the NFL combine and still ran 4-6. So <clears throat> maybe there's an opportunity to get a little bit faster there for both those individuals. But pro day for those two guys is not just about cleaning up some testing. It's about going through position drills and, and, and like showing what we know was on tape. You're a good football player. Your body moves like good football players. Be an athlete tomorrow. Go have fun. Fly around. Catch football. You know, show some explosivity and test a little bit better than you did. Test as well as you did during training sessions. I know for a fact, a fact Chris Smith was running in the mid four fives during his training leading up to the NFL Combine. Go run that. All right. Don't be tense. Be fun. Be out there around your boys uh, and your teammates and go out there. Run fast. Um the, this next group, these four names, Darnell Washington, Broderick Jones, Noah Smith, Robert Beal, show up in street clothes, boys. Show up in street clothes. Matter of fact, wear a goddamn suit. Wear a damn suit and bring your clipboard and just say, I'm here for questions, gentlemen, because I damn sure ain't working out today. 
All right, you can work out. I'm just, but don't worry about testing. Don't worry about running again. Don't worry about doing none of that. Just go out, you know, do some stuff on the field and and, and be good and go home. All right, answer your questions and, and do all that good stuff. Um, the antithesis of that is is right here from Warren McClendon and Warren Erickson, the two Warrens. You know, Warren Erickson didn't get an invite to the NFL Combine, um, and Warren McClendon didn't work out at the NFL Combine. He just went through the interview process. So they know who Warren McClendon is from a personal standpoint. They don't know who he is up close, personal shorts, T-shirt, athlete standpoint. Same thing for Warren, and they don't know who he is from a personal standpoint. Wow. So those things have to get taken care of, right? Those are very, very important uh, for both of the Warrens. But, hey, show some general athleticism, okay? We've studied these two individuals on tape for a long time. Never once did we ever call them freak athletes. Don't expect to see that. But be technically sound tomorrow, Warrens. Be very, very technically sound tomorrow. Um, Jackpot and Lesney kick it and kick it hard. Jalen Carter, um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I, I would assume he works out. I doubt he runs, but he if he's going to submit himself back into that top five discussion, by the way, I've told you here before, I don't think he sneaks out of the top ten. I think if anyone's out here like quoting NFL general managers, there are like 30 of those that are going to be lying to you in hopes that Jalen Carter continues to fall down the board. So, A, they can get him, get him at a lower draft pick, or B, that he'll actually fall to them. So any information coming out right now about Jalen Carter is probably Fugazi. Okay, so be very, very careful there. Nonetheless, if he is going to actually submit himself back into that top five discussion, he's got to have a Trayvon Walker type of workout. If you guys remember this uh, pro day last year, that was broadcast on SEC Network, and this year I believe it's on ESPN. If you guys remember this workout last year, Trayvon Walker didn't test, but he came out there and he did every drill and was, like, phenomenal, okay? He did the edge rushing drills. He did the defensive line drills, and then he did all of the linebacking drills as well. You know why? Because he knew Jacksonville had the number one overall pick, and they run a 3-4, and they were talking to him about playing both Jack and defensive end, which he's doing right now in the league. So he went out there and did everything he possibly could on pro day to ensure his status as the number one overall draft pick. That is oppor- that is the opportunity at hand for Jalen Carter. Maybe not the number one overall draft pick because Carolina just traded up in there and they're definitely taking a quarterback. But nonetheless, the opportunity is afforded for Jalen Carter to kind of submit himself as a physical specimen to match the tape that says he is a physical specimen. All right? Appreciate you guys for being here. Man, it's been a great offseason so far. Super excited to continue it, man. Hey, no malice in your heart. Walk around tomorrow. Walk around the rest of the evening with a smile on your face and love in your heart. And be better tomorrow. Okay, 1% better tomorrow. That's my promise to you. I'll do the same. And we'll see you here Thursday. Love you next time.